All who come to this happy place, welcome. Disneyland is your land. Here age relives fond memories of the past. I'm a real boy! You want thingamabobs? I got 20. 10,000 years will give you such a crick in the neck. This is the Magic on a Dollar podcast with David Dollar. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Magic on a Dollar podcast. My name is David Dollar. Thank you so much for downloading. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for all the response to the podcast. Folks, we are on episode number 19 you can always tell how fast time goes by when you uh, when you look up and all of a sudden you're 19 weeks into a podcast. I feel like just yesterday we started this thing not too long ago and you know episode one, two, three, whatever, and all of a sudden we are on 19 on the coast on the cusp of episode 20. 20 weeks. That's a lot of time. That really, really is a lot of time. And soon, you know, it's February. It'll be March pretty soon. I know we've lamented about how fast time goes by, so we won't get into all that, but. This is episode 19. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're going to have some Disney conversations today. Got a lot of stuff to talk about. A lot of news. When I sat down and actually started jotting the news down, I didn't realize exactly how much stuff was going on. I figured, you know, it's February. Valentine's Day's over. Spring break's not even here yet. It probably is a light news week. Oh, nay, nay. Lots of stuff going on. And, of course, Black Panther. That was the movie released this past weekend to theaters. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes as well. I will give you my review. No spoilers. I will give you kind of a kind of an overview of the movie itself and kind of uh, let you think a little bit about it. And hopefully you will go see it if you haven't already seen it. Looking at the box office numbers of Black Panther, a lot of you have already seen it and probably some of you will see it again. I'm going to take my dear wife next weekend to go see it. Our anniversary is coming up and we're going to have a we're gonna have a date night and a date a date weekend, I guess. My uh, my child will be at the at the at the cusp of somebody else. Somebody uh, somebody in our family is gonna come get our kid, and take him for the weekend. So my wife and I, Stephanie, will be able to go out to the movies and go have some dinner. And I think we're gonna see Black Panther among other things. But let's go ahead and kick this show off with some news with Disney World news tonight. This is Disney news from around the world. First up, Toy Story Land now has an opening date. And we have been waiting and waiting and waiting. When's the opening date going to be? Is it going to be Memorial Day? Maybe sometime in July? Will it be like in June? Maybe even, you know, early May? Nope. June 30th is the opening day for Toy Story Land there in Hollywood Studios. It's an 11-acre part of Hollywood Studios over in the corner where Toy Story Mania actually is. It's going to be opening up on June 30th, and you'll be able to walk into Andy's backyard. Guests will be shrunk down to the size of Woody and Buzz as toys, where you will be surrounded by oversized toys, building blocks, buckets, cars, things like that all around you. Um, Andy has, has built this up just for you to be able to walk in as a toy. You'll be able to ride the Slinky Dog Dash. It's a family-friendly coaster. You're going to go dipping and dodging and dashing around turns and drops through the world of Andy's toys. And this information actually is from www.newstoday.com. And guests will also spin around little green aliens aboard the Alien Swirling Saucers. And Woody's Lunchbox is going to be a counter service. You'll be able to get some refreshments there. And they're going to, it's basically going to be like a Tupperware kind of container, a large oversized Tupperware, which would, which will be really, really cool. So that's going to be fun. Um, the, uh, Sunky Dog Dash has a, uh, has a height restriction of 35 inches. And the, uh, Alien Swirling Saucers has a height restriction of 32, which, surprisingly, 32 inches, I believe, is the, the smallest height restriction of all the rides and how about restrictions. I think that's the lowest. I think beyond that, I think Barnstormer was 36 or 38. Um, now, is this a coaster for you? I don't know, but uh, you know, I don't know how you feel about roller coasters. It's probably going to be on the level somewhere of Seven Dwarves Mine Train, maybe a little lighter than that. If you've ever ridden Seven Dwarves Mine Train in uh, Walt Disney World, 
Now, one of the things I want to make sure I do is when I talk about Disney World stuff, I don't want to leave out the people who have never been. If I mean saying words to you about, you know, Hollywood Studios and Slinky Dog Dash and, and Barnstormer, you're going, I don't know what this is. Just hold on. Barnstormer is actually a very small roller coaster in the Magic Kingdom located down in uh, in the Storybook Circus area. It really is kind of a kid's coaster. It's a, it does a few little dips and, and dodges here and there. It kind of goes around in a circle. It, no inversions. No, the, I mean, the car never tips over. doesn't kind of, you know, swing back and forth or anything like that. It basically, you're in a little plane car and you go up a hill and down a hill and around a, kind of a big curve and then come back. And it's like a 45-second ride. It's kind of a rite of passage. A lot of kids ride that for the first time. And, and as a travel planner, I tell my clients... Hey, take them on the Barnstormer. If they like the Barnstormer, upgrade to the to the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, and then maybe Big Thunder, and then maybe after that you're ready for Splash, Splash Mountain and Space Mountain and bigger rides. Um, but if your kids can't handle Barnstormer, they probably can't handle anything else. Seven Dwarfs Mine Train is kind of a step up from that. You'll be doing a few more, you know, uh, up and downs, and the, the cars swing just a little bit and a few little banks here and there before you go through a slow part of the mine where the Seven Dwarfs are, and... Uh, I think the Slinky Dog Dash coaster is going to be something like that, where you'll have, it's kind of a longer track, too. You'll be kind of going up and down, and it comes to banks and things. It, it looks like it's a lot of fun. You can go online and find pictures of that. But Alien, Swirl, Alien Swirling Saucers is probably going to be a spin ride of some sort. Um, if you've ever been to Disneyland and you've seen the uh, uh, Luigi's Rollicking Roadsters, which is basically, you get into a, a, a car, a little car, and it kind of goes into, uh, it's it's no track kind of thing, and it kind of swirls in a couple circles and kind of goes back and forth. It's hard to describe. You can probably look online and find that as well, but I think that's what it's going to be like. Not going to be too bad, though. Hollywood Studios is going to have extended hours as well, much like Animal Kingdom had last year from Pandora. Hollywood Studios will be open from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. every day, starting around June 30th or so. Uh, about the opening, they will have extra magic hours from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m., and on Fridays, they'll be open until midnight, 10 p.m. to midnight for people staying on property. What in the world is Extra Magic Hours? Dave, you are blowing my mind here. What does that mean? Extra Magic Hours are special hours that people who stay on property can go to the parks. So if you are staying on property um, and you want to go to Hollywood Studios, let's say on July the 3rd, July the 4th or something like that, you can actually get into the park at 7. Whereas if you're off property, you can't get into the park until 8. Um, on the Fridays, you can actually stay till midnight, whereas everybody else not staying on property have to get out of the out of the way, have to get out of the park by 10 p.m. So those extra magic hours are pretty cool. All parks don't have them every day. It's kind of a variation. You know, Magic Kingdom may have late – they may stay open late one night. The next day, Animal Kingdom may be open an hour early. And then maybe Epcot's open an hour early the next day. And then Hollywood Studios stays open. You know, it's – sometimes they do like two parks in one day, especially on busier days. But usually it's one park per day has different extra magic hours. Um, you know, in the winter months right now. Extra Magic Hours will keep you open until 9 or 10, something like that. Later on, when it gets busier over Memorial Day, over the summer, sometime in the fall, Magic Kingdom will stay open until 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. I've been there until 3 o'clock in the morning at Magic Kingdom, and let me just tell you, that is an exhausting day. It's worth it. But man, is exhausting. Animal Kingdom very seldom has nighttime magic hours. They did last year with Pandora, but um, they don't let the park open stay open late, late too many times because they have animals there. That's why Animal Kingdom doesn't have fireworks because they have animals to take care of us. And so they kind of you know shove people out of the park around eight or nine o'clock a lot of times. Uh, in the off season, like now, you know, seven ish, eight ish, something like that, they're not going to stay open late. And before they had Pandora, they would even close the park sometimes at five or six or seven in the evening. But those are the extra magic hours, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about the talk a little bit about that. 
little later on in the show. So that's Hollywood Studios. So you're going to have a good time with that. It is going to be busy, busy, busy. Just, just expected. Pandora, I'm reading now, Pandora still has average wait times of two and a half to three hours, which is remarkable because usually when a ride has been out for, you know, eight months, nine months, the wait time starts diminishing some. Now, my train is a good example of that. When it first opened a couple of years ago, uh, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train was the new roller coaster in Magic Kingdom, and it was kind of the centerpiece of the new fantasy land. They have different lands in Magic Kingdom, Tomorrowland, Adventureland, Frontierland, Main Street, uh, and they have Fantasyland. And in Fantasyland, they had basically doubled the size of Fantasyland with a new Fantasyland. That's when they put the aerial ride in. They put in the Be Our Guest Castle, which is a restaurant um, based on Beast from Beauty and the Beast. They put in uh, Maurice's uh, Cottage, which is has the bell ride, uh, the bell attraction, Enchanted Tales of Bell. And of course, they also put in the Seven Dwarves Mine Train, which is a roller coaster that goes through the mountains and it's based on Snow White and so on. Snow White and Seven Dwarves. Um, the, the ride for that, the, uh, the wait time for that when it first opened was, you know, four or five, six hours long because people wanted to ride it. But as time went by, it started coming down and you can go now, even on a busy day, it's probably going to be about two hours. On a lighter day, you're probably looking at about 45 minutes to an hour because it is the most popular attraction in the Magic Kingdom. Not all rides are like that. On a light day, when Haunted Mansion wait times are around 15 to 20 minutes or even less, Mine Train's probably about an hour, maybe a little bit over. On busier days, you know, Haunted Mansion maybe two hours, whereas Mine Train maybe four. So it's just one of those things where it, over time it comes down. Uh, Flight of Passage in Animal Kingdom, the, the wait times have not come down. The wait times are still incredibly high every single time. And I'm just imagining Toy Story Land, if this is a good ride, uh, if this is an enjoyable ride, Slinky Dog Dash is going to be insanely busy. It's going to be crazy, crazy busy for the first little time. And if you want to go to uh, Toy Story Land, you know, on June 30th, July, 1st, July 1st, and so on, just understand it's going to be so busy. It's July 4th. That's the entire week is July 4th. It's going to be insanely busy. So just expect it. Just understand when you go, you can't complain about how busy it is because you're going during July 4th. It's expensive. It's hot. And it's busy. So just get it. You just, just gonna know that going into it. A lot of people go that time anyway. They love the fire, the fireworks and they're like, Hey, we're ready. Let's fight the crowds. Let's do it. Let's do it. You just can't get down there and go, Oh my gosh, it's so hot. Oh my gosh, it's so busy. Oh my gosh, it's so crowded. Uh, it, you knew that going into it. So just expect that, uh, it's going to be, an, I don't want to say the word nightmare because you're in Disney World, but at the same time, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be chaotic. Take that. Triple it. That's what it will be like when Star Wars Land opens in 2019. But we'll get to that later on. That's a lot more coming on down the road. So we'll we'll talk about that as it comes. And so that should be a lot of fun. Um, new hotels opening up. Disneyland Hotel, actually. The first Disneyland Hotel opening up in two decades. They're going to take the, town, the district of downtown Disney and open up a new gateway to Disneyland. And this hotel will have 700 rooms. It's going to have some dining restaurants, have some entertainment, things like like that. It's also going to have the monorail going through it, or at least right there in front of it. And Disneyland doesn't really have that. They have three premier hotels on site. They have Paradise Pier, they have Disneyland Hotel, and they have the Grand Californian. The appeal of the Grand Californian is the fact that there's a gate in the hotel itself, you walk straight into California Adventure, the park, like straight into it. You walk into California Adventure, you take a left, and they're soaring. Disney World doesn't have any of that. I mean, they everything you have you do, you have to get on a bus or a ferry or something like that or drive or whatever to get to the parks itself. Disneyland, you just walk out of your hotel, you walk into the walk into the parks, and California, a Grand Californian Hotel, which is expensive, um, you walk straight into California Adventure. So they're going to be doing something like that with this new hotel in Disneyland, where the monorail you can probably get on the monorail at the park. Um, or at, at the hotel, and it will take you into the Magic Kingdom. Not in front of the Magic Kingdom like it does at Disney World, 
into Disneyland itself. Because if you're in downtown Disney, which is the shopping district for that area, if you're in downtown Disney, you actually can catch the monorail and it drops you off in Tomorrowland it, in Disneyland, which is cool. Um, I think this hotel is going to be kind of the same thing where it will uh, take you in there. And no reports yet exactly when the hotel is going to be open. Probably, I would say, in the next year or two. You know, Disneyland takes your time to do things, blah, 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 blah. Um, 2021 is what I'm actually hearing. I don't know if that's going to take that long. But, uh, but yeah, it's going to be a big deal. It's going to be a real, real big deal. Now, the other hotel that's being built... It's going to be an Epcot. Now, I've heard that it's going to be called the Riviera Hotel. I don't know if this is going to be exactly it or not. They may be talking about a new hotel, but uh, they'll be doing a, a, a hotel somewhere in Epcot. Now, somewhere around Epcot. Now, what what the rumor I'm hearing is that they're going to put it right in front of Epcot. And you will be able to walk out of your hotel into Epcot, which is pretty cool. Because if you go to Disneyland Paris, they actually have the Disneyland Hotel in Paris in front of the park. You walk under the hotel or through the hotel, like lobby, I guess, whatever, to get to the park itself. Um, if you're uh, staying there, you can actually walk out, out of your hotel into, I'm sure, an, an another entrance or whatever. So that's one of the r rumored sites is right there in front. Now, you might think, oh my gosh, they're going to cover up the, the, the Spaceship Earth, which is the iconic big ball there. I think they're going to build it in a way where you can see the ball in the ho like above the hotel, which is good because I would hate for them to cover up the hotel. And I think that's really, really cool. Now, Hollywood Studios, of course, has announced a, a Star Wars hotel which uh, will be connected to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. I don't know a lot about this hotel yet. Um, the way it's supposed to work is that you will be able to uh, go into, you'll check in, you'll be given some sort of information about your about your vacation, and you become a character. If you want to address the park, you can. You go there. The hotel doesn't look overlook Hollywood Studios. The hotel itself doesn't overlook whatever. It looks out into space, and it's going to be phenomenal. I, I don't know a whole lot about, about it beyond that. I'm not going to get too much into it now. But that's, that's what I'm hearing about the uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge Hotel. Now, of course, the Epcot Hotel, it may or may not be in front of Epcot. We don't know, but that is the rumors for the hotel itself. Pirates of the Caribbean is going to be closing in a couple of days. We'll be closing in a couple of days, and um, the reason it's closing is because they're going to do some refurb on it, and the refurb is going to be taking out the redhead scene. Now, if you remember last summer, there was some kind of controversy because there was a scene in Pirates of the Caribbean where the pirates, where you're riding in a boat and you see the pirates, they're having an auction. And they're basically auctioning off women. And of course, the iconic line is we want the redheads. And one of the pirates says, turn around, shows your starboard side to one of the, the ladies. And of course, they're in ropes and everything. Now, this is really, really funny. Ha ha. For a long, long time. Um, this is one of the things that... And now this happened before I did the podcast, and so I actually did a write-up on my blog site, uh, which is not important here because I'm not trying to push that. But um, my thought on 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 that is simply it's an iconic scene, and I get it. It really is. It's a funny scene, and I am somebody who is not very politically correct. It's just I don't, I don't worry about that. I don't deal with that. I try to be respectful and nice when I can, but that doesn't really phase me about being all PC at the same time. I do recognize the society that we're living in. I do recognize that, that what's going on with what's going on in our society. And I just, the women are in ropes and chains and they're being auctioned off. And I feel like that's something that, that yes, it was funny and maybe it was acceptable as a comedy bit before. Now it's just like, I, I don't know if that's going to work as well. It just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem as funny to me. I guess that's what it is. And maybe that's the main thing. It doesn't seem as funny. It doesn't seem hurtful to me. I'm not offended by it. I'm not looking at it going, oh my gosh, that's horrible. But it's lost its humor. Now, you may email me, magicundadollarpodcast at gmail.com, and give me 15 examples of, well, David Dollar, you said this about this movie. And I, I, I read the Facebook post. You love this movie. And what about this? And what about that act? 
you can do all that. And that's fine. I have no response to that. I have no, I can't give you an answer for that. I just know this one particular scene, you go through there. It doesn't offend me at all. I've never been chained up. I don't know. It just, it, to me, it's lost its humor. I, don't, I look at that scene and I'm just like, I, I don't know. They're, they're robots, right? They're robots. It shouldn't, it shouldn't bog, bother me. It shouldn't bother anybody. But I'm okay with it being taken out and I'm okay with it changing. So I just I just want to throw that out there real quick. It's not a it's not something I'm going to spend a whole lot of time on, but I did want to throw that out there. Just we'll be closing for that very purpose, and you know I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm all right with it. Now, one of the things I mentioned in last week's episode um, was that, or maybe week four was something like that, was that Disney World will be raising their prices. Disney across the board will be raising their prices, and and they did. They did on Sunday, February 11th. Their prices went up a couple of dollars per ticket uh, for annual passes. Went up actually quite a bit, and some other prices went up for the for the tickets and such. Now. I mean, all over the board. I mean, people are going crazy about the prices and how high they are. Walt Disney's going to roll over his grave and so on. They're they're cutting out the middleman. You can't afford the tickets anymore. I get all that. People will still go. I will still go. I'm still booking just as many trips as I have before. The price overall for a five day trip it isn't it didn't go up more than I don't know just a little bit. So it's not like you know, hey, your your cost was twenty five hundred out six thousand, nothing like that. Um, and I mentioned all this again because. Universal has raised their prices, just like I mentioned they would, just like they always do. They basically, they kind of play it smart, actually. They let Disney World raise the prices. Let Disney World raise their prices and let Disney World take the heat. Everybody goes all, all over Disney World, about all over Disney, Disneyland, and everything about how, how horrible they are, and they're just greedy, and blah, 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 blah. Raise the prices. Universal slips in a few days later, and like, yeah, let's raise our prices a little bit. Let Disney take the heat for it, and no big deal. And that's exactly what happened. And so some uh, some of the prices actually, uh, some of the park to park options, which means uh, you can actually walk from one park to the other. Um, they have Islands of Adventure, and they have Universal Studios. You can actually walk from one to the other. And if you have a park to park ticket, you can actually kind of get into both parks in the same day. It's kind of the same thing as a park hopper option at Disney World. Um, and some of those options have gone up to like $20 or more, gone up $20 or more in terms of adding that. That was already kind of expensive anyway. Now, the trick is, and Universal, I got to hand it to them, Universal did it smart. They have a Harry Potter area in both both parks. And by the way, Harry Potter is a small area of both parks. I think people get there and they think the entire park is Harry Potter because people ask me all the time about the Harry Potter area. Can I go to the Harry Potter park? And I'm like, well, it's a corner of each park. There's a lot of other stuff in that park besides Harry Potter. Just realize and just understand it. Um, and so people think, well, you know, I'm going to go to the Harry Potter stuff. In order to ride the Hogwarts Express, which is the train that you find in the Harry Potter universe, the Hogwarts Express from Diagon Alley, which is in one park, to Hogsmeade, which is in the other park, you have to have a park-to-park ticket. That's the only way you can ride it. And it's genius because everybody wants to ride the Hogwarts Express. They want to go back and forth between them, experience the Hogwarts Express and that kind of thing. And it's genius. I I, I can't tell you the last time I sold a, a universal ticket to a client that did not have a park-to-park option on it. And that's a 50 or $60 a, a bump on, on a one-day ticket. That takes your ticket price from like $110 to like $160, $170. So that's not cheap. People are doing it. People, it's expensive. It is expensive. Now, don't forget, if you're a churro fan, this is kind of fun. If you're a churro fan, one of the most popular snacks at Disneyland Resort, and you can find some at Disney World, but especially at Disneyland, they're all over the place. And they're, they're uh, the churro carts all over the place. They have a new, can't believe I'm saying this, they have a new rose gold churro. And I'm not making that up. Is a rose gold churro. Now, rose gold apparently is all the rage right now. Everybody loves rose gold. Everybody loves um, the, the the flavor of rose. Oh, not flavor. The color of rose gold. It's kind of an off pinkish. It's almost like if you mixed 
I guess, peach and pink together, you kind of have a rose gold kind of color. You know, I'm, I'm sure some, some ladies and, and some other, some men who know about colors and stuff will come back to me and be like, that's not right. But no, that's kind of what it looks like. Uh, the, the ears are all the rage. And for a while, they were completely like sold. They were selling like crazy people. You couldn't find the ears in the parks because they were just selling out. But, um, you actually now can have a rose gold churro, and it tastes like strawberry. It comes with a little bit of dipping sauce, like marshmallow chocolate dipping sauce. Um, the uh, oh, actually, I take that back. That's the s'mores churro, uh, s'mores churro. But um, they have the rose gold churro, and uh, apparently, it's a big deal. I have a friend of mine who um, who messaged me and said, "Was at Disneyland?" And I asked him, "Have you tried the rose gold churro?" Kind of joking around, and he said, "Yes, it's the best churro I have ever had in my life." So, you know, if you're at Disneyland. Get your rose gold churro. So uh, one thing, going back to what we talked about earlier with tickets and stuff, when we talked about the uh, uh, the extra magic hours. Now, for staying on property, you get something called a magic band. And I want to kind of spend just a minute on this, and we'll get to Black Panther in just a minute. But um, magic bands. So what are magic bands? And this is something that I get asked a whole lot. Tell me about the magic bands. How do you get the bracelets? How do you get the slap bracelets? How do you get the wristband things? Magic bands. They came out a couple of years ago with magic bands. Um, and they are little pla- little vinyl bands that go around your wrist. And they come in eight different colors. Purple, blue, red, green, orange, yellow, gray, and pink. And they're complimentary to guests staying on property. So if you if you book a package on property, you can go on your account on Disney, on mydisneyexperience.com and select your magic band. If you're three of you going, the three of you, each of you get a magic band. You pick your color. You put your name on there. So if, so if you know, um, Ralph and uh, Linda Watson are going, but Ralph and Linda are actually Papa and Meemaw, you actually can put Papa and Meemaw on your magic band. So you don't have to put Ralph and Linda. You can put whatever name you want to on there, and they're shipped to you about four to five weeks before you go. Um, if you don't order them, they have them at the desk for you, and you get a default gray color, which is fine if you really want gray. I guess they say black, but they're gray, basically. Um, you know, and so they come with your... And the magic bands themselves are your ticket. They are your door key. Uh, it, when you when you check in, and which you can do this ahead of time, but I always recommend doing it when you check in. When you check in, you actually can put a pin code onto your band and so you can purchase stuff. So when you walk around, if you want to buy some rose gold ears, you see it Walt Disney World, you just scan your band, type your code in, and you get your rose gold ears and it's charged to your room. Now, if you decide that you want to... Uh, um, you know, if you don't want to put a code in there, you don't have to, it's fine. And you know, you can have separate codes. Your kids don't have to have a code. If you don't want, you know, seven year old purchasing stuff without a code or seven year old purchasing stuff on your magic band, that's fine. If you lose it, they will replace it and you can just change your code. No big deal. Now, people who want to stay off property, or I don't know why you would do that. For people who stay off property, you get a card ticket. It's a little plastic card. It looks like a credit card. So it doesn't have any like raised numbers on it. You get a plastic card if you are staying off property. It does look like a credit card. And uh, if you want a magic band, you can do that. You can just purchase them. They're twelve ninety five each. And if you have a family of two, it's not a big deal. If you have a family of five or six, it's kind of expensive. But they're twelve ninety five each. Now, that's the basic colors. If you decide you want to get something different, and if you're on property, you can do the same thing. If you want to get something different, like you want a Rapunzel magic band or a Tinkerbell magic band or maybe a Star Wars or a, a Walt Disney magic band or maybe a Magic Kingdom magic, whatever, all kinds of colors and designs and things like that, they're anywhere from 20 to 30 bucks, depending on what you get. I have, I have two. I have one given to me by a good friend of mine. Um, it's a Star Wars limited edition magic band. And I have another kind of limited edition magic band for, for taking certain trips and stuff. I get that. And all you'd have to do basically is take your card or your new magic band and you go to the counter and you purchase. They will move while you're at the counter. They will move everything from your card or your old band to the new band. 
So it's pretty cool. Now I went in April of last year and I actually was off property for a couple of nights. I know, don't, don't, don't at me. Um, I, I was at off property for a couple of nights and, and I went to the parks for a couple of days and I kept having to pull out my credit card and I kept having to pull out my ticket and whatever. It was just, it was obnoxious. And I'm like, you know what? Forget this. I'm going to buy a band. So I bought one for $12.95, paid the money and put it on my wrist and it was wonderful. I just, I didn't like the whole having to pull cards out and having to, you know, keep up with it, whatever in my pocket. It was just, it was too much. It was too much. Now fast passes. That's the other thing people ask me about all the time. How do you do fast passes? What are fast passes? How much are fast passes? Well, they're free. They come with your ticket. So whether you're on property or off property, you get fast passes. It's regardless. At Universal, you have to pay for them. It's called the Express Pass, and it's certain price. It's kind of expensive. It's like seventy or eighty or ninety dollars, depending on when you go for your day. But it's a kind of the front of the line pass. For this. They have two lines. They have a regular line and a fast pass line. If you have fast passes, you go to the fast pass line, which is much, much shorter. I can think the ratio was like for every 15 or 20 minutes in the standby line, the regular line, you get like five minutes in the fast pass line. So if the ride time is like an hour and a half, you probably have to wait in the fast pass line 15, maybe 20 minutes, maybe something like that. So, uh, something to think about. It's, they come free. Now, if you're on property, you get a 30, I'm sorry, you get a 60 day window. So 60 days. If you're going May 1st, then March 1st ish, February 28th, March 1st, March 2nd, it's 60 days. It's not like two months. You don't just back up two months and there it is. It actually is 60 days. So somewhere in that March 1st time period, you get online about six in the morning central, seven Eastern, do your, do your hashtag mathing of your time zone. And you can do go online and select your fast passes. If you're on property, you select them for the whole trip. And so let's say you go May 1st through the 5th, you can actually do your fast passes for May 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, and 5th. If you have a ticket for every day, you do your fast passes all at once. However, if you are off property, you have to do it 30 days ahead of time. So let's just say that April 1st is your fast pass day. You have to do the May 1st fast passes on April 1st. Then on April 2nd, you do the fast passes for May 2nd. And then on April 3rd, you do the fast passes for May 3rd, and so on and so on and so forth. So Again, you want to stay on property. Now, they have opened this up a little bit. The The Disney Springs Hotel air, uh, hotels actually can do fast passes 60 days out. I think there may be some other hotels that can do that now. Um, I, I always recommend staying on property. I just do. But you go in there and you, you get three to begin uh, three to begin your day. And here's it's kind of the structure of how it works. You get three each day to begin your day. You choose three from one park for the day of your trip. And when you go for vacation, you go to that park, use all three of your fast passes. So if your first day is at Magic Kingdom, you have a fast pass for Space Mountain, you have a fast pass for Mine Train, and you have a fast pass for Peter Pan. So you can go all three, you ride Space Mountain, yay, have a good time. Then you ride Mine Train, then you ride a Peter Pan, your third fast pass is finished. So once your third fast pass is finished, you can then look on your app on your phone or go to a kiosk somewhere around the park and get a fourth fast pass. Look on real quick. And actually, as you walk through the Peter Pan line, when you scan your band, your fast pass is quote unquote officially used. You can then start looking at fast passes while you're in line for that third one. Um, look online. Oh, look, there's a big thunder fast pass available at one o'clock. Let's grab it. So you grab it. Big Thunder rolls around at 1.15. You ride the ride. It's great. It's awesome. You get another Fast Pass after that. Oh, look. Um, Peter Pan's open again. Let's ride Peter Pan again. And then, you know, Enchanted Tales with, Enchanted Tales with Belle is open. Oh, Barnstormer's open. You can keep going using one after the other after the other. You're given a Fast Pass window. So if your first pass, Fast Pass is at uh, 9.30, you don't have to be there at 9.30. Anytime between 9.30 and 10.30, you go there and ride your first Fast Pass, your first attraction. And then your second Fast Pass, let's say it's 1045 to 1145. So anytime between 1045 and 1145, you ride that ride. Your next Fast Pass for whatever we say, Peter Pan was from 12 to 1. Um, from 12 to 1, you ride your Fast Pass. You ride that ride during that, during that window. If you show up a minute or two late, it's not going to be that big of a deal. I mean, they're going to be okay. You have to do them all in one park. You have to do them all in one single park. 
to begin with. Your first three there. Now, if you use your third one, and let's just say you're a Magic Kingdom, and you want to go to Epcot for the afternoon because you have lunch somewhere. Um, you just rode Peter Pan, you just rode the ride and everything. You look online, you're like, oh look, our fourth Fast Pass um, is for is for uh, you know um, uh, Spaceship Earth, the big ball in Epcot. Spaceship Earth at two o'clock. Let's get that. You can go ahead and get a Fast Pass at another park. Once you do Spaceship Earth, if you go, if you want to go crazy, hey look, there's a Fast Pass for Toy Story Mania at three o'clock. Let's do that. Perfect. You can go to another park. So that's kind of how the fast pass systems work. Once those first three are used, you can choose your next one from any any other park you like, one at a time from there on out. Which is a good thing about Toy Story that I've mentioned at the top of the show about Toy Story Land opening. They're actually closing fast passes for Toy Story Mania from the beginning of from actually uh, from the beginning of like Aprilish to about mid May, because they're putting in they're building on to Toy Story Mania to build another track in there to to kind of absorb some of the traffic that's going to go through there. Toy Story is one of the most popular, if not the most popular, attraction in Hollywood Studios. It is a wonderful attraction. It's one of my three favorite attractions in all of Disney World. Toy Story Mania is fun. It's great. It's for all ages, for all sizes. My my child wrote it for the first time when he was like 13 months. He didn't know what was going on, but he loved it. He looks like the spinning and everything. You get in there and it kind of rotates a little bit. It spins a little bit. It's not enough to make you sick, but you have like a little gun that you can kind of pull, um, pull a little string. And what it does is it shoots a 3D little ball onto a screen and you know you break plates in one scene you do hoops in another scene you you know you try to uh, shoot darts and everything on one scene it's it's kind of an arcade kind of game whatever but toy story mania most popular attraction and you will know it's popular because most people at hollywood studios when that park opens goes straight to toy story mania just a whole crowd of throngs of people going that way and it's going to be like that for about six weeks because there will be no fast passes so you gotta go and you get in line and those lines are probably going to get to anywhere from hour and a half to two hours it's just it just is uh, i saw actually i actually saw a photograph from yesterday, where Toy Story Mania apparently had shut down, there was technical difficulties, and it was a 150-minute wait time. People were in line and just waiting for it, and it's like that's a almost a three-hour wait time. It's like a, that's that's insane. That is insane. Let's do some quick Disney history. Toy, uh, Star Wars, actually. Oh, let me pull my little notebook up here. Yes. In 1997, the first Star Wars weekend happened. They have five straight weekends. They had the first Star Wars weekend, and it was kind of a thing at Hollywood Studios. And back then it was MGM where they did some some Star Wars celebrations. They had characters and things like that. They did it once in 97, uh, came back again in 2000, and it lasted until about 2015, I think, was the final was the final year. They, they actually started doing them like in April and May and expanded out to about six or seven weeks at that time. Uh, I've been to a couple of them. They were fantastic. They were a lot of fun. They stopped doing those because I think they were – Doing more Star Wars stuff all during the year instead of just at that one time. In uh, 19, uh, 1995, I do believe, uh, something kind of cool here happened because, in uh, I'm sorry, 1996, Disney Online launches Disney.com, a website designed to promote a wide range of Disney products on the internet. It's kind of funny now to even think about that because, you know, it's like Disney.com. But it's been around, you know, like 22 years now. Disney.com was opened up for the first time in 1995 this week. That's crazy to see how far we've come. In 1940, Disney's second animated feature, Pinocchio, generally released in the United States. Unlike Snow White, it will not be a financial success, and its release in Europe and Asia will be delayed because of World War II. So a lot of the overseas box office they were expecting uh, to come out did not happen because of World War II. So, I mean, he lost money. And again, they, we've talked about this before. It kind of goes into the whole, they started doing movies where they had to piece stuff together. And after Pinocchio, we had Bambi and we had uh, uh, we had Dumbo. And then we ended up having, you know, Make My Music and So Dear to My Heart. And those are the ones that kind of put the stuff together, uh, little little short films to make one large film because that's that's what they had to do. So let's bring it around now to our movie review. Let's talk about Black 
Panther. Black Panther made 200 and, well, it's expected to make $220 million at the box office. As of current recording time, it's sitting at right around $193 million. So it is a big financial success so far this year. It's just an enormous success. Um, they were projecting it anywhere 200, 210, 220 million dollars for the four day weekend. Of course, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and tomorrow was at this recording time. Tomorrow is President's Day. So I hope you had a great President's Day yesterday. Uh, Black Panther stars Chadwick Boseman as the title character. We first saw him in Captain America Civil War. And if you remember that character, he was the prince, the son of the King of Wakanda, uh, T'Chaka. And T'Chaka was killed in a bombing. And that happened in Captain America Civil War, which the uh, Winter Soldier was blamed for it. And that kind of set up the whole Civil War thing where you had the superheroes fighting. That kind of set that up, that whole bombing thing, plus a few other little events that all was blamed on the Winter Soldier, Bucky Barnes, which, again, if you remember, was Captain America's friend back in the 40s. Um, Captain America was recovered nice and Bucky Barnes showed up, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So go back and see the movies. I don't want to have to go through all the movies again because I could talk about it forever. I really, really could. Um, uh, but T'Challa becomes the king of Wakanda. It's a fictional African nation, which to most of the world is a third world country with no water, no food. I mean, it's just a little, just despot of a country, but in reality is a technologically advanced super country with all kinds of just things going like on technical marvels happening because they're sitting on something called vibranium. That's the metal that's underneath the country they, they mine. Vibranium is the, the most powerful metal known to man. Captain America's, you know, Captain America's shield is made of that. Black Panther's um, costume is made a lot of a vibranium. A lot of things in Wakanda are made of vibranium because it's just so, so such a big deal. Uh, also starring, uh, well, it is starring Chadwick Boseman as the title character. You may remember him. He was in, um, he was in a movie called 21. We played Jackie Robinson. He was also in a movie called Marshall playing Thurgood Marshall. And he was in a movie called Get On Up where he played James Brown. So he's done a lot of, uh, he's done a lot of, uh, uh, biography picks and everything. Great actor. Chadwick Boseman is a great actor. He's perfect for Black Panther. The villain in this is played by Michael B. Jordan. He plays Killmonger, or Eric Stevens, I think is his character's name, but he also is known as Killmonger. Now, he's done some stuff like Creed. He was in a movie called Fruitville Station from a couple of years ago. It was also in Fantastic Four, a remake from 2015. He played Johnny Storm. Uh, Fantastic Four, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Don't watch it. Just, shh, don't watch it. Don't, don't do that. It's terrible. Um, also starring Lupita Nyong'o, who won an Oscar for her role in 12 Years a Slave. She was also, um, she's one of the only, actually, she may be the only person who was featured in a Disney film, a Marvel film, and a Star Wars film. She played the voice of Maz Katana in the last couple of Star Wars movies. She also played a voice in The Jungle Book. She was also in a Disney movie called The Queen of Cotway. It's a live-action movie. Uh, and, of course, she was in a Marvel movie as well. This one, uh, she plays Nakia, which is uh, T'Challa's kind of love interest, kind of girlfriend, but sort of, kind of, kind of, sort of. Um... Danae, could you, and uh, please forgive me for these these uh, pronunciations because I haven't heard them a lot, so I'm going to kind of struggle through them. So if I say them wrong, please don't don't think I'm doing this in jest. Uh, Danae Guerrero plays Okoye, who's one of the warriors and everything. Um, Martin Freeman plays Agent Ross, who was also in Civil War. Danny Kalia plays Wakabi. He's one of the he's one of the soldiers, one of the kind of the head guys under uh, T'Challa. He was also in Get Out, which he's been nominated for a uh, uh, for a Best Actor award. Get Out, of course. Um, uh, written and directed by Jordan Peele. He was nominated for a director award and uh, get out nominated as uh, best picture. Great. He's great in that movie. It is an adult movie. It's rated R. So it's, a, it's pretty harsh in some places. So it's not for the kids, but it's, he's great in that movie. And Letitia Wright plays, uh, plays T'Challa's little sister, Shuri. For me, she kind of steals the movie, in my opinion. Uh, she's kind of the, the James Bondish Q character where she has all the different, like, 
gadgets and creative things. And she's created all these different technological advancements. I mean, she's, she's a brilliant mind. She's awesome. I love her in this. Uh, one of my favorite characters in this. And so the whole thing starts out with, you kind of get an introduction to Wakanda and, and what you find out, and I'm not going to give spoilers. I'm going to talk a little bit about the beginning of the movie. So don't think I'm going to spoil it for you, but uh, you find out that the black Panther character is not just one person. I mean, it is, but it's been a succession of people. When you're the king of Wakanda, you also th- assume the role of the Black Panther. So T'Chaka, before T'Challa, the King T'Chaka was the Black Panther. And before him, somebody else was the Black Panther. And the Black Panther is the the ruling, uh, I guess, protector of Wakanda. Uh, Chadwick Boseman takes over again after T'Chaka is killed. Now, I am somebody, when I watch a movie, I love, if a movie's three hours, but it's really good, then I'm okay with all three hours of it. If everything is important to the movie, I watch it. Now, there are certain movies that I watch, and this one's, I think, two hours and 20 minutes long, that sometimes I feel like there are subplots or there are little 15, 20-minute scene, side scenes that I'm like, it's, just, it's not important to me. I don't, it's not impressive to me. It's just, it's not necessary. We don't need that in there. A great example of this is a movie called Hostiles, which came out not too long ago. It's a it's a Western. Again, not forget, it's a great movie, but it's a Western. It's a hardcore, uh, a little violent here and there, but there's a side a subplot with a character uh, played by the actor Ben Foster. It's about 20 minutes of the movie and it does accomplish a few goals but it's completely necessary it just it doesn't need to be there and you can take that out and you can still accomplish what you need to accomplish with that so at the beginning of this movie um chadwick boseman's character t'challa is actually being taken on by uh mbaku who is wakanda is basically made up of five or six different tribes and when the king passes away they have um of course the secession that goes to t'challa but anybody else is allowed to challenge for the king challenge for the kingship and you go to hand-to-hand combat and that's what happens Mbaku uh, comes up for one of the neighboring tribes and says I want to challenge to be the king when I saw this I was like okay we're, we're doing African culture here we're doing you know why are we doing it? I mean it just it felt like it was a little unnecessary with a scene about went on about 15 minutes long and I'm just like this is just it's it's impressive and it's fun but at the same time I'm like is this even necessary can we just get to the Wakanda stuff um turns out this scene is extremely important and extremely necessary because it does something very clever it sets up a lot of things that happen at the at the middle and the end of the movie uh great film now the whole scene itself is um uh, you'll find out that Michael B. Jordan's character, Killmonger, is an old native son of Wakanda. And uh, that's a mini spoiler for you. I'm not going to get into everything about that. But um, he basically returns and he wants to take the kinship. And it's it's kind of a battle of, of you know, warring ideals and ideals for the country itself and everything. And it's great. You don't see any Marvel characters in this. Iron Man doesn't show up. Or you don't have Captain America to make an appearance. You don't have a sudden appearance by the Hulk or references to, you know, Black Widow or anything like that. This is a movie upon itself. It takes place in a different, it takes place in an entirely different plane while recognizing the events that have happened in New York and with the Avengers and things like that. It actually is Wakanda itself. Um, now I am not somebody who gets all into the whole politics and movies and I'm, I'm, you know, reading on Twitter and social media. You can see what a lot of people are saying about this film and it's an important film, this, that, and the other. And it doesn't matter if I agree with that or not. I will say this is simply a very good movie. It's a, now it's not a perfect movie. It's not a great movie. Well, I'll take that back. It's not a perfect movie, but it is a great movie. This is a very, very good film. It's a, it's got a lot of action to it. Um, and this is a film with a lot of hand-to-hand fighting, man-to-man combat. So it's not like cartoony violence like a lot of the Avengers is. This is actual a physical, I'm trying to beat you up kind of violence. So just be wary when you take the kiss to see this. It has a lot of political political ramifications within it. There's, there's a lot of politics at play in this because you're looking at the succession of the throne. You're looking at who goes, who gets what and, you know, the politics of that. Somebody, I think, described it as an African game of thrones which i've never seen game of thrones but it kind of makes sense when it comes to that kind of thing all the characters are wonderful um 
you know, again, I love, uh, I love Nakia. I love Sharia. I love all the characters that are in this and what they do and how they help Chadwick Boseman because it is his movie. But again, it's not just his movie. It is an entirely great cast, great ensemble cast of kind of built around this. There are two scenes in the credits. One is important to the actual movie itself. And two is an important setup for Infinity War, which comes up in, uh, comes up in May. And I'll be talking a lot about that whenever it happens because I cannot wait for Infinity War if you see the trailer. For Infinity War, you will see a couple of scenes where they are fighting at what looks like Wakanda. Well, this movie sets that up. If you see this movie, you will understand, oh, that's why the trailer shows them fighting in Wakanda. That scene that happens in the credits, kind of inside the credits, um, you know, you see the cast and you see things happen, whatever, and then it cuts to a scene. That is probably one of the most pivotal scenes in any Marvel movie to lead up to the next one. That's a big, big deal because what happens in that scene itself affects what happens in Infinity War. That's my guess. I don't know that for sure, but that's a big, big deal. So don't get up. And a lot of people are seeing, you know, this is maybe their first Marvel movie at the theater. And I've read this and that's not a black thing. That's that's across the board. A lot of my friends are saying this is the first Marvel movie they have gone to see in the theater, um, you know, regardless. And so it's something they may not understand. But so here's the rule. Don't get up. Stay seated to the end of the credits. You see the whole thing at the end of the credits. And if you don't understand what happens at the very end of the credits, because a character it does resurface from a previous movie. Um, if you don't understand that, just send me an email, magic on a dollar podcast at gmail.com. I'd be happy to be happy to help you out there. Black Panther is fantastic. It's spectacular. It's a great movie. Made a lot of money, deservedly so. It's going to make a lot more money as well. And I really want you to go see it because it's an important piece of this Marvel universe. It is the 18th film of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the sixth film of this phase three. Um, the Marvel films are broken up into phases, I think six films at a time. I don't know, friend. I want to say Infinity War will be the last of phase three, and then we'll get to phase four, and it's you can go online and find the find the, uh, the phases and how that all that works. I can't re- recite it off the top of my head, but great movie. It is a wonderful film, and I really hope you guys go see it. Um, or go see it again. Go see it again. Help this movie make money. Help this movie make a lot more money. It's going to make a ton of money anyway, and it's a great lead up, and again, I, I love it. Um, again, for the kids, it is going to have some real violence in it, some real, like, two human beings fighting. So it's not just cartoony uh, Avengers, you know, superhero fighting. It's actually real, real actual violence. So just understand that going into it, um, but it's great. It's wonderful. So there you go. There's my review of the black Panther. This episode brought to you by my My good friend, Amy Campbell is a resume queen resumes, LinkedIn and marketing on websites and things like that. She will be glad to help you go visit my Send her an email at Amy at MyResumeLady.com and say, hey, I heard about you on David Dollar's Magic on a Dollar podcast. Can you help me with my resume? And she will say, yes, I can, because she's just that awesome. Also, this show produced by my good friend Clay Shaver, the host of the Remodeling Clay podcast. Every Thursday morning, early in the morning, he releases a brand new episode. It's a little bit of a snark with a whole lot of encouragement, or you can say a little bit of encouragement with a whole lot of snark, depending on the week. Listen to it. It's a great show. Go listen to that. And he's the producer of this show. He's the one that makes all the bells and whistles come up. He's the one that makes me sound good, even though I just don't. People who've talked to me in real life, they're like, yeah, man, you don't sound good at all. He makes me sound good. So glad you enjoyed the show. Hope you will, hope you will visit once again. Don't forget to tell a friend. Tell a friend about our Magic on a Dollar podcast, Disney Conversations in a podcast form. Hashtag ModPod on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook as well. Find me on Facebook, um, Magic on a Dollar, and you can also find me at Disney on a Dollar. We've got the uh, Marvel Mad, uh, Marvel Madness. We've got the Movie Madness coming up, and every year, about this time or so, we get set for what's called the Movie Madness Tournament. We take all Disney films, put them all together in one big tournament. You vote on your favorite Disney film. We narrow it down all the way down to four, then to two, and then we have one film that is your di- favorite Disney movie. 
We've done this four years now. Beauty and the Beast, the animated film from 1991, has won three out of four years. I'll be honest with you. I am hoping it doesn't win this year. I want to see something else won. win. The one that won in the off year, The Little Mermaid. Uh, so it's, it was Beauty, Beauty, Little Mermaid, Beauty. Um, so let's have something else win. But you know what? It's not me voting. I don't get the vote to it. You get the vote for it. And also you can win some prizes. I do give some stuff away every week. And then we have a kind of a bigger prize at the end of the, end of the whole thing. Have a lot of fun with it. A lot of engagement. A lot of people, uh, having a good time with that. So that's coming up sometime early in March or so. And finally, go visit magiconadollar.com. You can actually go visit, uh, go visit that page. And actually you'll see the article I wrote about fast passes and magic bands. You'll see that there on the page. Also find show notes here. You go to the podcast tab on that magiconadollar.com page and you can read all about the podcast and stuff. Uh, all the show notes from previous episodes, find the one you want to listen to or listen to this one. Don't forget to go to iTunes, go to Google play, go to Stitcher review and rate the show. That's how the show gets noticed. We'd love, I'd love for you to give me a review. That would be fantastic. Tell a friend about it as well. And I think that's it. All right. You guys have a great week. And don't forget to thank a Phoenician.